I'm Adam Brown, owner of Tennessee School of Beauty. I look forward to meeting with you personally and welcoming you into our TSB family. And if you're currently attending another school and you're not pleased with the level of education you're receiving, give us a call. We have specialty classes for transfer students. We'll gladly accept all of your hours and we'll quickly get you moving forward with your dreams of becoming a licensed salon professional. Welcome to the Big Blue Podcast for Farragut High School, all graduating classes. Let's get into today's interview. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Blue 82 Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Moore, and today we have a very, very interesting guest. Many of you may know and remember fondly from back in the day, Mr. Adam Brown. And Adam, tell us what's going on in your life right now. Hey, Vic. First of all, thanks for for inviting me on here. So, um, well, I guess right now the big thing is just, um, you know, I went into our family business, Tennessee School of Beauty, and that's uh, taken up the majority of my time, but I'm trying slowly but surely to to ease into not retirement, but being able to get away a little bit more, to take a few more days off. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, Tennessee School of Beauty. You know, I, I went there once. I have an interesting story. Nice. Um, well, more than once. When, uh, when I lived in Knoxville, now I'm in Middle Tennessee. I went uh, to the one over on – it's on the way to Oak Ridge Highway. I think it's still technically uh-huh. called uh, another yep. road there. And I went in, and I struck up a conversation with one of the students. She was telling me about her life experiences and that she was getting very close to graduating. And then uh, she had, like, a child that had some illness or something going on. Some of the details are vague. But, you know, I felt so much compassion for her. And she did really a good job on my hair that I think that it's my world record tip ever given to somebody (laughs) for anything. I think I gave her, like, $30 or $40 tip. Show me the money! Oh, my gosh, just the whole haircut. That was probably $5. <laughs> I know, so I know. Show me the money! So I felt even more <laughs> e- at ease to up the ante. Yeah. Show me the money! Because <laughs> it is a budget place to go if you don't have a lot of money and you want something good. So, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. What is the whole concept of the students um, cutting hair there? What, what's going on? Well, so so whenever you go to get your you know, hair done, nails done, facial whatever those people had to have gotten trained you know it's 1500 hours for cosmetology which is about a year or six months for um, aesthetics which is skin care and four months for nails etc so they they go through training hopefully at our school and then they take a state board examination and then when they pass it they're a you know licensed cosmetologist esthetician salon professional and uh, like I said hopefully Hopefully, Tennessee School of Beauty is where they choose to go for their training. But um, as I said, in about a year, you know, they get licensed. And, you know, fortunately, most of the salons in this area, at least the high-end salons, are owned by our graduates. And um, wow. I don't know if you remember, but a, a, a former Farragut grad, Nancy Jones at the time, now she's married to Greg Brooks. But um, Nancy's been a very, very successful stylist. And she went through our school and Michelle Zelenak, uh, she's owned her own salon for multiple years. So, you know, we've had some, we've had some former admirals come through our school and like I said, go on to be very successful. 
That is amazing. It's it's like um, I don't want to really call it a like a multi level because those things are kind of scammy. But this is in reality. You've trained people. They've gotten the experience. They've graduated and they love it so much they start their own business. So you're kind of mm -hmm. like the godfather of beauty in in, in Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm not quite hard to put that way, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean it. I mean so, it in such a, a nice way. No, I know. I know. No, and it's. I mean, I love it. It's you know. Again, they, our biggest competitor, believe it or not, is not other beauty schools. It's traditional college because you know you have a daughter and she says, "Dad, I want to." You know, I want to be a hairdresser. And you're like, "Oh, well, you know, don't you think you should go to a real school?" But, you know, the profession has changed so much, even in the 35 years I've been in it, where, I mean, we have multiple people making, you know, well into six figures that aren't even salon owners because it's, you know, it's not a $5 haircut. I mean, some of these high-end salons, you're paying, you know, $75 for haircuts, $200 for color, and, you know, not everybody's meant for a traditional college. So I'm pretty, pretty proud of the work we do. Stay tuned, everybody. More with our interview of Adam Brown in just a moment. First, let's listen to this. Tracking coronavirus for you tonight. The Tennessee School of Beauty hitting a milestone today during their 90th anniversary. The school welcoming the largest class of students ever despite the pandemic. WAT 6 on your side reporter Kellyanne Stitz hearing from the school's owner who believes they are thriving now during a time where other industries are struggling. The Tennessee School of Beauty welcomed their largest cosmetology class to date for August, filled with 31 students. And owner Anna Brown says it was a nice surprise. It far surpassed what, what we were expecting, especially kind of back in May or April. It's like if you had said, you know, how many students are you going to have in your fall class? I'd be like, I, you know, I don't know, five, ten. You know, I had no clue what it was going to be. So we were, we were really excited. The School of Beauty is offering in-person learning following safety precautions as opposed to the distance learning. One of the reasons he believes they are finding success during this unprecedented time. In our industry, I just feel very strongly that it needs to be hands-on. You know, to try and learn haircutting over you know, a Zoom call just doesn't tend to work out very well. Another reason being other industries on hold due to coronavirus concerns. One student, she's in the corporate world. You know, everything is just kind of on hold. And she said, you know what, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to jump in school. And if they call me back to work in two or three months, then I'll just switch over to the night school. Some of the safety precautions staff is following includes wearing masks, daily temperature checks and screenings, using every other station on the floor and extra sanitary measures. We're kind of on the forefront of sanitation anyhow. I mean, I think our industry's good about that. Very, very first hour of school, they were in bacteriology and sanitation. Um, and that would have been the case whether COVID was here or not. I toured the school. I looked at everything and everyone was like social distancing and like wearing masks and being very like clean and tidy and everything sanitary here. So that's why I felt it was fine. Reporting in Knoxville, Kellyanne sits WATE 6 on your side. All right, Kellyanne, thank you. Another first for the school. They are offering class of 2020 high school students a $2,020 scholarship that goes directly toward their education at the Tennessee School of Beauty. Brown says he wanted to offer them something special after their senior year was cut short due to coronavirus concerns. All right, some very, very cool information. That interview there on Channel 6 about a year ago, but still very pertinent for what's going on. We're back now with our interview with Adam Brown. And you know, Adam, when I think about going to college back in my day, 
um, well, actually, I, I was a little late at the blooming stage. I do remember, though, getting into the major, there was a lot of classes that, to me, just did not make any sense. Why am I taking these extra classes that seemingly don't have anything to do with my major? And that, that was difficult for me and other people, you know? Vic, I tell this story all the time. So I, I majored in business at UT, did, did real well, had real high grades, when decided to go into our family business, and I didn't even know how to do basic payroll. And my grandfather, I mean, he just, he couldn't believe it. He's like, I thought you went to college for this. I said, Gramps, we did, but I'll never forget. My last project in my last class, we had to save the Playboy Corporation. I've never been in for the money. In other words, Playboy isn't a business for me. It has been from the very beginning a labor of love. And um, that's pretty easy to say because <laughs> because if you don't love all of this, and <laughs> you're a fool. I think it was $40 million. Well, I'm never going to see $40 million, you know, in my life. And so, again, I couldn't do basic payroll, but I could learn to do a spreadsheet for a, you know, billion-dollar corporation. So it just... I'm in agreement with you, and I mean, everything we do at the school is geared specifically for what they're doing in the salon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I was a little soured on some of the stuff that, you know, you do in traditional college, and I guess you know, they always say, well, we're, we're teaching you how to think in college. Well, you know, that's fine, but I don't know how necessary some of that is. Right, right. Absolutely. That was my biggest beef, and... You know, and, and to make it even more frustrating, they put all that unnecessary stuff on the front end, and you're like, look, I'm about it, out of here. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's a great point because my son, Stephen, he went to MTSU, and he was in music audio production. Mm -hmm. Well, by the time his junior year rolled around, I think he had taken one music class. Oh, wow. And yeah. he, he had no interest in the quote-unquote academic part of it and so you know he ended up leaving and coming into the business and you know we can talk about that later because he's doing really well in it but th that's exactly the point you're making is you know he he could have thrived if there had been music more music classes in his first two years of school but instead he's taken you know math classes that he probably failed two times and you know, stuff like that. So uh, I hear you. I mean, maybe this podcast should go out as a notice to all fine educators, curriculum developers, <laughs> and college presidents. You know, tweak your stuff. I want to use a different word there. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, I hear you. Well, that's great. So let me get this straight then. With, with Tennessee School of Beauty, or is it for the beauty? Is it of uh, yeah, Tennessee School of Beauty. Of Beauty. Okay. Well, for some reason, I want to keep saying for the, but maybe that's something else. <laughs> and do you abbreviate that with like, is it? Yeah, TSB is TSB. what pretty much everybody knows right. it as. That's what I was trying to get to. I wanted to say that, but I wanted to be sure. So at TSB, when you come there for mm -hmm. classes, when you come there for training, it's all about what you're going to be graduating. I mean, from day one to the end class, it all pertains and that's why I think that you're, you're graduating such stunning professionals that, that know all about it, you know. Well, I mean, even even the business classes we do, and, and we get very into business, it's on how to open up a salon. I mean, you have to find retail space, see how much it is a square foot. We give you a budget. You contact manufacturers. You know, you're not 
we're not getting into profit and loss statements and you know necessarily how much of your budget needs to be on advertising but we're trying to teach them to you know be their own boss and yeah mm -hmm. just uh, i mean again everything we do about the only math we do there is teaching them how to mix you know one half of this color with one half of that color and, mm -hmm. and i say that because so many of our students they're like oh i just hate math there's not a lot of math in there is there and i'm like nope just just learning how to mix color all right now, uh, let me so ask, yeah let me ask you this I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot and um mm -hmm. statistically we're talking about numbers now graduates students through the years or currently or do you have more than one campus Tell me about the growth of it. How many students are actively taking classes or have graduated, if you kept tallies? Sure. So, well, kind of like the McDonald's hamburger. I mean, we, we kind of changed the, the number, but uh, we've had more than 20,000 graduates. Wow. Uh, we've had more than, you know, probably more than 1,500 go on to open their own salons. But right now we have about 250, 275 students, which mm – -hmm which doesn't sound like a lot compared to a UT or a Pellissippi, but that probably puts us at, uh, you know, with all modesty, probably the top beauty school or one of the top three in the nation. Mm -hmm. um, now there are schools with multiple locations and, you know, if they've got 10 locations at 50 students each, of course, that's bigger than ours. But um, for what we have, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty big. Yeah. That's, um, that's pretty so, impressive. And it's, yeah, but it's, we we had uh, sorry to interrupt, but mm -hmm. we had so we used to have three locations. We had Oak Ridge, Alcoa, and Knoxville. And my dad and granddad, my dad was at Alcoa, my granddad was at Oak Ridge, and then I was at Knoxville when I went into the business. And then as they passed away, we just kind of merged them all into one. So you know, we might have even had that many students, probably not, but you know, we might have had a couple hundred students back in the day between all three locations, but. Now we just have the one, which is a whole lot easier to control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty fascinating. So talk a little bit about the history of the business. When did it begin? When did Granddad, did he start it up? So, no, it's kind of funny. My So in 1930, my great-grandmother started this, which, which was pretty impressive because I don't think there were a lot of women back in 1930 opening their own businesses. Well, yeah, and the, the Great Depression just occurred, so the, yeah. just put that into all businesses were kind of hard. 100%. But that is one nice thing about our industry, and I, I hope that – I feel like this is coming off like a commercial for my school or our industry, and I'm not meaning for it to. But, you know, no matter how tough times get, people still want to look good, so – I joke and say, as long as there's ugly people in the world where there's, <laughs> there's a need for uh, what we do. Um, and it. even as computerized as the world gets, people still like that, you know, human touch. But mm -hmm. anyhow, she, back to your question. She, so she started it in 1930, um, actually on Gay Street. And um, about two years later, my granddad went into the business. So he was 22 and he told her, you know, you don't know how to run a business and typical 22 year old. <laughs> and she said, you know, all right, hot shot. Then you, you show me what to do. And he took it over and grew it and helped form the Tennessee state board of cosmetology and the, the accrediting commission. And I mean, he, wow. he, I'm still riding his coattails, but he did it. And then my dad went into it and then I was supposed to go to law school. And at the last minute, 
asked my dad and granddad if I could go into the business, and uh, I did. And then two and a half years ago, my son Stephen came into the business. So we're a we're a fifth generation business. Wow, and it just keeps going on and on. You know, if it wasn't for your granddad to get that board going, I don't think anybody would be doing any beautiful things around Tennessee. Yeah, no, he he was very he was he never put his own interests at heart, which sounds weird or sounds like he's this mythical figure. But no, he he always did what was best for the industry, and uh, so yeah, a lot of things that are still in place. Like I said, we were the we're the oldest accredited beauty school in the nation under wow. the same well i think that's still around i think there were five of us or nine of us initially and we're the only ones still still going wow that is a great great foundation and that legacy and you're passing this on and you mentioned your son and we're going to talk about family here in just a bit but before we do that i always like to do this at this juncture in the interview and that's to fire up the wayback machine gee mr peabody 82 again so we're going to go back to 1982 this is june ish uh second i think is when we graduated we throw up our hats and we pass the marble did you did you give a marble out to the uh I did. I did. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, I forgot it. all about that. Oh yeah, just yeah. A second. And they're collecting them, and they're like, "Okay, you hold this." You know, they're all over the stage. Yeah. It was great. And by the way, people listening yeah. in, um, when you come to the reunion uh, at the lighthouse in July, you better be getting your tickets, you little sneakers. Don't wait till the last minute. We got bills to pay. Bring a marble. <laughs> Bring a marble with you. Just, that's oh, all wow. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Bring it with you to the registration desk, and it will be dealt with. Okay. So, <laughs> but, okay. So it's 1982. Adam Brown is about to hit the big town. All graduated up. What's going through your mind? I mean, you said earlier that you weren't quite ready to go, maybe into the family business. So, what was your thinking mm-hmm. at that point? Well, so, so you may not remember. I, I was a tennis player, and. Um, so I remember being Jewish that, you know, every mom, my son, the, you know, my son, the doctor. So oh, yeah. I remember my, my mom said, you're going to be a doctor. And I had been dating this girl. Her name was Renee Sauce. She went to Bearden, beautiful girl. And we'd been together, I guess, a couple years. And they said, you're, you know, you're going to be a doctor. So I said, all right, well, if I'm going to be a doctor, then I'm going to go you know, I'm going to go play college tennis. So I went to, decided to go to East Tennessee state and, um, mm-hmm. you know, playing tennis and, and all that. So that, that was the immediate thing, uh, that I, that I did. Mm-hmm. And, big med um, school, big you know, med school up there. The Buccaneers have, they, they did. And it was, mm-hmm. I think it was newer back in 82. I, you know, I can't think, think back to then, but I just, I remember that I said, well, if I'm going to have to study medicine, then I'm going to play tennis also. <laughs> and uh, so I, I went there for, I went there for about uh, two months and, you know, at East Tennessee State, I don't know if it's still like this or if any of our fellow graduates went there, but um, it was a suitcase college. And on the weekend, everyone left. And so, you know, that was tough because I was, you know, had a girlfriend back here and everybody left and, you know, one thing led to another. And so after about two months, I said, adios and came back to UT and that's where I finished. 
So you you didn't like the fact that there was no socialization going on there after class time was over. Just you know, I, I you won't remember this, Vic, but I wasn't a big partier, and I'll never forget that the tennis team. I thought tennis players and golfers were like the real non-partiers. Mm-hmm. That our tennis team, we, we were on a we were on a van in a van going to I think it was. Boone, North Carolina, playing Mars Hill or somebody like that. And man, they're doing drugs that not only I didn't do, I'd never even heard of at the time. I mean, you know, and I just did not fit in very well. And um, so again, with the girlfriend here and just everything, I decided to come back. That's just ironic. You know, uh, people in that profession, helping people get their bodies fixed, doing these terrible things to their very own bodies. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I, I, I remember I ran into somebody who worked in the pulmonary unit over at Blunt back in the 90s, I think it was. And they're both out there talking about work, smoking cigarettes, like one after the other. And I'm yeah. like, you yep. don't you guys see? Uh, <laughs> it's well, and it's, today we had orientation for our new skincare class, and our director asked the students you know, how many of you smoke? And, you know, I don't know, maybe five of them raised their hand. And she's like, look, we're in the anti-aging industry. She said, you better stop smoking right now. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of same thing. I mean, you got to at least practice what you preach. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, some of the big companies are coming down on that, you know, like the major health yeah. companies. Uh, there's, they're not even hiring people if they find out that you're smoking or even doing the uh, electronic version, you know, the kind that mm-hmm. explode in your pocket at the convenience store. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so so one neat thing when I when I came back to UT and I might be jumping ahead, but my sweet mates were Ford Little and uh Tommy Deggs. So uh yeah. that was that was kind of neat to have, you know, Ford and Tommy as my sweet mates. Oh yeah, well that's good. And of course they, they were uh, not a bad influence at all. I remember Ford for years. He's an attorney now in Knoxville. He, he is, and I, I still say I said back then and I still say I think he'll be a you know, a congressman or something. He would make it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got the hair and everything for it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, that's that was June of of eighty two, or I guess I guess that was more maybe August of eighty two. But uh, okay, that was how I ended up there. Okay, so now you're going to a different direction. You 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 came away from ETSU, and you started mm-hmm. attending the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what did the major change interest change it did so um you know when i came back i told my mom you know i'm not going to be a doctor i'm coming back to ut and i really didn't know what i wanted to do um so i figured i'd be a lawyer so I, you know that it can't hurt so i started <laughs> off in accounting and then about halfway through, I think I switched to just general business because I needed, I think you could take more, in essence, pre-law classes with a general business major than you could with an accounting major. So I mm-hmm. I uh, switched to business and, um, you know, gotten accepted to law school and all that and you know, so you found a workaround. To, you found a workaround for those front classes that don't relate. You know. Yeah, you're right. And then I, you know, have, like I said, had already been accepted into law school at, um, well, three or four places. And I'll never forget. I, I was graduating in March of '87. Um, our beauty school, which had been on Gay Street for 57 years, was moving in March of '87. 
And my grandfather, who was 77 at the time, was still going into the office every day. And I went to my dad and granddad, I think it was like December 28th. And I said, hey, what would you all think of me coming into the family business? And, Mm -hmm. you know, they knew I had made good grades and all that. They were, I think they were very happy. And uh, it's, it's worked out really well, fortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've taken the reins now and grown it and uh, continuing that legacy and keeping it strong and the largest uh, in the nation. Uh, so, yeah, things are going really good now. That's for sure. Um, Thanks. So when you started in 87, I still want to kind of creep along the timeline here. I'm trying to you know, uh-huh. put this funneled together. So now you're entering the family business. And did you immediately have to start learning all new things? Did they assign you immediately to a general area, a store, <laughs> or what? How'd that well, work out? Yeah. So you'll like this. So, so the plan, the initial plan was for me to go through beauty school and to get my license, to get my instructor's license, and to be able, basically to be able to do everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I'd been, you know, pretty good athlete, had good hand-eye coordination. So I thought, you know, this will be a breeze. And Vic, I, you know, if we've had, if we've had 30,000 people come through our school. I was probably the very worst one that we've had come through the school. I mean, I could no more, you know, brush somebody's hair than I could fly to the moon. Now, again, they worked with me. They, they taught you, but I just, I didn't have an interest in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be in the business end of it. So right, right. I'm, I'm doing my last quarter at UT and I'm going to beauty school at the same time. Oh, wow. And then, so I graduate in March, I guess, of 87 of college. So now I'm full-time in beauty school mm-hmm. and I'm starting to help out with some admission stuff. Um, and pretty quickly they saw that that was, you know, kind of where I needed to be. So they said, you know, enough's enough. Let's pull you on into the, uh, administrative end of it. And so I was, I was over admissions, you know, enrolling students, giving them tours, things like that. And, you know, you have to realize at the time I I was pretty forward thinking anyhow. And, you know, you've got a a 22 year old coming into a business where my granddad's 77 and been doing this for, you know, however many years it was 57 years of his life at that point. So, Needless to say, we I, I had some thoughts of doing things a little bit differently, and I still, to this day, I give him so much credit because he was actually open to some of my ideas. He, even even though he'd say, you know, well, we tried that back whenever, but if you think it'll work, let's try it. And you know, I didn't know anything. I, mean, I was a twenty-two-year-old, you know, punk who thought he knew everything, <laughs> and he was open to some of those ideas and. You know, and it, it helped too because, you know, most of our students were, or prospective students were, you know, whatever, 18 to 25 years old. Well, I'm a you know, 22 year old guy, and they had been used to dealing with a 77 year old man, so I could relate to him a little <laughs> bit better. And, well, yeah, yeah. You Generational. Know, you know what? Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's kind of, I know again, I'm jumping ahead, but that's kind of where it is with my son right now. I mean, he's, He's got the tattoos and a nose ring and an 
hearing and it just makes me crazy, but I'll hear him in the office and those girls are, Oh man, that tattoo's so cool. Where'd you get it? And he's talking to them about there. So Mm -hmm. I realize I'm not, you know, we're not catering to the 57 year old balding man. We're trying (laughs) to get the, you know, 22 year old that can relate to Steven. So it's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of come full circle, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're seeing the whole gamut now from 30,000 yeah. feet, and you got to love it, you know. Um, I think it, our generation is more flexible in that respect. You know, okay, boomer, you know, I can relate, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe the greatest generation was a little greater, so they couldn't relate it, as much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, it is, and it, it's hard because, you know, I've been doing it so long that I kind of feel like, you know, hey, I've, I've gotten us to this point. Don't come in here and tell me what to do. But <laughs> again, I also at least can recognize that, you know, he it's it's, you know, let them do Instagram, let them post stuff that I think is kind of silly, but that's what they relate to. Right, right. It's a whole new um, ball game, as they say these days. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, stay tuned, everybody. More with Adam Brown in just a moment. I thought that it was going to be like a hectic environment, but it's not. It's very laid back, and I love it. It's a very fun, open place, and they make you feel at home here, and you learn so, so much. It kind of clicked right when I walked in. I knew this was exactly where I wanted to go. I've had a lot of opportunities here presented to me, like working on Knoxville Fashion Week and working on like photo shoots with different local photographers. I came to Tennessee School of Beauty because I'm from the area and everybody knows if you come here, this is where you're gonna succeed. If you're thinking about changing your career, do it now. I chose TSB because it had a more advanced curriculum than the other schools in the area. I chose TSB because of the teachers. They are hands-on and they really care about my education. Tennessee School of Beauty, work your passion. I want to go back just a second here because you said something that piqued my interest. Um, You said that when you were going through the school yourself as a youngster, and you're already in your mind 20,000 leagues forward out of the sea on this thing, whose (laughs) idea was it to get you to go through the training? And was it always in your mind, hey, this is temporary, this is so I can understand what's going on, I'm not going to be in this this actual position, you know? Did you you get that feeling? Um, I didn't because – so my dad – my dad had gone through the course and actually got his instructor license mm-hmm. and he could teach classes. I mean, he didn't anymore, but he could, I, you know, I had no interest in that, but they were like, you need to do this. You need, you need to learn it. You need to be able to do everything. Right. And so, I mean, I went in at thinking, oh crap, I'm going to have to go through, you know, a year of beauty school. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, on, on the, on the other side of the coin, if, if I can be so so honest, you know, I'm a straight single guy in there with 150 gorgeous women, <laughs> and uh, so so the environment <laughs> the environment wasn't bad. I will say that for well, sure. Well, that goes back um, to my misunderstanding of the name. That it was the Tennessee School for the Beautiful to come. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, there were a lot of beautiful people, and I, I don't think I was one of them. But the the women there certainly were. So, um, and that no, didn't I, that I mean, didn't I distract thought, you at all. You know, that didn't distract. Oh you gosh, no, no. So, so keep in mind, I don't want to be there. You know, I'm going through perm class, 
And uh, I'm like, what in the world am I doing? You know, I've just spent four years in college. You know, I've graduated. I'm one of the few people there with a college degree. And I'm, you know, shampooing. And, uh, but, you know, so I, I thought, no, I was going to have to go through the whole thing. And again, I think what happened was, I don't know if I, if I had ideas for them or if somebody was busy and they'd say, Hey, Adam, can you talk to this girl about school? And they started realizing where my strengths were. And, and then they pulled me out, but you know, same story. When Steven came back from MTSU, I told him, I said, you're going to have to go, but I only told him he'd have to go through three months. I said, I want you to go through three months of beauty school just so you can relate to these people, know what they're going through. But you know, where I, where I thought I was going to have to do the whole thing. I was very clear with him up front that you know, I just need you to do three months just to, to get a feel for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's absolutely cool because you know, you, how can you cross train somebody or even relate to someone in a business fashion? If you don't know what moccasin mile they've walked yet. And yep. you know, it, yep. it was a must must've been a drudgery for you and it's not for everyone. You know, there's a lot of very talented, as you've seen students come through and then start their own business. That's their forte. That's their desire. But you've got another, oh. you've got another, um, I guess, uh, bolt in the engine block to, uh, perform, you know? You do, and but like you said, though, Vic. I mean, the 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 majority of our students had been the girls who everybody would come to in the bathroom and say, "Oh, will you do my hair?" Or they've, you know, had Barbie dolls that cut their hair and braided their hair. You know, I was about as far from that <laughs> and as far from artistic as as you could be. Right, um, right. You know, it'd be it'd be like a mechanic going into you know beauty school, but. I will say I love the people part of it, and I, I still tell the story to every single class when they start. I said when I was in beauty school, guys, I was horrible. Probably the worst stylist we had. I said, but I probably had more clients than anybody in the whole school because I'd get these hundred and fifty year old women <laughs> had been coming to the school since they were three, and I'd say, oh, Miss Jones, if I were three years older. I'd ask you out and say, oh, he's so cute. I love him. You know, there'd be a big hole in the middle of their head, but they'd come back and say, I, I want that little dark guy to do my hair. So, so I did enjoy the, the people aspect of it. Uh, oh, yeah. I just wasn't very good at it. Right. That's great. And it is a big people business. You know, what, what's that saying that uh, nobody knows for sure, but my hairdresser, they know everything. Oh. <laughs> that, that's what we say. We're the ones that get invited to the you know, the baby births, the funerals, the, I mean, yeah, hairdressers know it all. Right, right. Even more so than bartenders. And, hey, we're sober-er. <laughs> awesome. All right, now, look, I want to do this. Um, you've mentioned it about your son, Stephen, and I know that there was a very painful part in your, um, in your life with another, another son. And I want to talk about family. As much as you are comfortable talking about it. So tell me about your children and um, anything you want to talk about. So I had two boys, uh, Logan, my oldest, and then Stephen, um, three-year age difference. And Logan, and I, I went through, this giving you too much information, but you know, went through an ugly divorce with my ex-wife and all this stuff. And uh, But, I mean, it was... 50 50 custody and all that stuff 
And I think, um, you know, just, I don't even know where to go, but anyhow, long story short, Logan, good looking kid, smart, uh, athletic, but, uh, he, he was going to UT and had finished his first semester. And then in January of 1995, so Logan was 19, uh, he took his own life mm. and, um, I, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't wish that on, on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what's so weird, Vic, and maybe we'll, you know, talk about this a little bit more and maybe it'll help somebody, maybe not. But, you know, when we were growing up and forgive me if any of my classmates had to deal with this, but I just don't even remember, I, I, I don't remember anyone that had committed suicide, either either anyone's parents, anyone's brother, anyone's kids. Uh, it just wasn't a common thing. And now it's just, I'm not saying it's the cool thing to do, but it's almost like that's what they're treating it as. I mean, that mm-hmm. that was never even an option for me at my lowest of lows. I mean, I think maybe it's our generation or maybe not, but you just, you know, you play the cards you're dealt and mm-hmm. you just power through and, um, you know, I think Logan was bipolar and, you know, I think the problem with that is once you think you're good, then you stop taking the medicine and then, you know, who knows what happens. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, shot himself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always been told as a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Logan, um, usually what they call a bipolar diagnosis, is somebody with a very brilliant, capable, intelligent mind that really sees through a lot of things in life that most people can't see. And that comes good and bad. I mean, you might see through some of the deceptions that you can kind of uh, go around and not get taken advantage of. But at the same time, you see a lot of beauty in life, too, that you can appreciate but unfortunately, um, some of the circumstances may cloud the good things in the perceptibility of that person, and all they aren't able to see is the negativity, no way out, and an easy way out they think they can do. Um, that, was, yeah. that was my and, field of study, and, human behavioral science, and this is what's oh, probably going through his mind. Yeah, and I had heard from, you know, going through a lot of counseling, grief counseling, that, you know, you don't want to kill yourself but you just want the problem to go away right. and that that's, right. that's how you mm-hmm. think. And, you know, the other thing I learned through the grief counseling, cause there were, there were a couple people in there who they had tried to commit suicide like multiple times. And one of the guys said, I'll just never forget it. He said, there's not a single thing anyone can say to you at that point. Now it might, it might delay it a month. It might delay it two months. He said, but when you're at that rock bottom, you know, you just, you're not, you're not in your right mind would be mm-hmm. the way I would describe it. Yeah. And that's uh, accurate. That's it accurate. Was, yeah. I mean, it was, it's been interesting to, to learn more about it. And I've kind of, I've kind of thrown myself into a little bit of suicide prevention. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's our charity of choice through the beauty school and, um, so I've, I've tried to be involved as much as I could once I got to a point where I was ready to, you know, maybe, maybe try and deal with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's been very interesting. I mean, I just, 
but again, it just seems more and more common. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I, a week and a half ago, I had a, a cousin of my, my first cousin, his son was a twin and my cousin was a doctor. I mean, they're loaded with money mm-hmm. and one of the twins took his own life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, golly, that's just, you know, you, you just didn't hear it. If you did, it certainly wasn't from families who maybe were financially well off and just, I don't know. It's probably coming off. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying the wrong thing, but it, it seemed like if someone took their life, maybe they were, uh, you know, the dregs of society, not these, you know, the kid that gets voted most popular at school or something like that. It's actually all over the map. Um, every mm-hmm. socioeconomic um, demographic. It, and like you said earlier, once the person has set in their mind, this is their solution, and they're not quite thinking correctly at all, and they have the means. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can split second decision just to, like you said, end the pain, end the problem, end the nightmare, and they think this is the way to do it. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very volatile situation. I want to talk more about your uh, donation, um, your support for the charity for suicide prevention. How can the listeners, if they want to support you listening to this story, how can they get involved to also donate and help? What's the avenue of support to your charity? Well, I mean, there's, you know, there are a lot of suicide prevention organizations. We deal with um, Tennessee Suicide Prevention TSPN network. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause I think it's, cause I think it stays local TSPN, mm-hmm. I guess is right. Yeah, how I remember it because it's it. ESPN. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. but I mean, we'll do things where for, it, they really don't even need to go through the school. It's just, I mean, we'll do things where, okay, every penny we make, you know, on haircuts and services for the month of whatever we'll give to them mm-hmm. or, you know, we'll give free haircuts with the donation to that. Um, and then I personally, you know, donate there and, uh, mm-hmm. and make a wish foundation or mm-hmm. probably my two charities along with the cancer society that I like to personally donate to, but I would just, you know, say, look up Tennessee suicide prevention network or, you know, any kind of suicide prevention. I'm going there now online and, um, it is TSPN, the acronym, and they're located, headquartered in the Nashville area, and they're connected to the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services for Tennessee, uh, Tennessee State Government. Um, and if you want to go there, you can just go to 10.gov and in the search query put in TSPN. But there's actually a website for TSPN itself, and it is TSPN, I believe it is dot org let me check and see i'll, 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 I'll think it was dot org but i yeah. can't remember yeah that's it tsp as in paul n as in network.org is their direct website and there's an 800 number there for suicide prevention if anyone is feeling um despairingly right now like you want to do something that is a permanent solution and you just want to end the pain talk to somebody about it at 800-273-TALK um, Thanks. Eight hundred two seven three talk T A L K. Or you can also text if you just want to text yeah, that's, somebody. That's a big thing now is um, their crisis hotline because I said a lot of people don't like talking about. It. They'd rather text, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool that and then the know, text you can text with somebody. The, the text link is uh, text the letters T N to the number seven four one seven four one. That's a real easy 
number to remember. Mm. That's actually the prefix for all government uh, phone numbers, 741741. Oh, I didn't realize that. And something Troy Goodell brought up to me when we um, first started as seniors in 1982, we had 741 graduates that the beginning of senior year. Oh, wow. That's, that's another that's way I remember that number. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, this is something important to get involved in. And Adam, you know, your your family's been directly hit by this personally. You've seen what it can do, the devastation, and you really want to reach out to help people and and hopefully save some lives out there, give people some hope, someone to talk to. And I'll put these yeah. in the show and that, notes and that's, too. And that's kind of been my thing. I mean, if you know, it sounds sort of corny, but I mean, if one person, if you save one person, that then it's been worth it. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I, as we talked about a little bit beforehand, you know, I'm reluctant on his birthday and on the anniversary of his death to put a Facebook post about it because I think it's kind of self-serving, but I, when I do, I, I get a lot of comments on, you know, this really helped because I, I do put the links in to, you know, for that and the, text number and all that and so it's yeah i mean unfortunately you know that's some that's how some people think they can you know get out of the situation they're in and and and, um the escalation during this covid nightmare have have suicides have gone up um 600 on some college campuses and and just a lot of disparity because they don't really see any way out with this worldwide Mm -hmm. pandemic you know and then the, the, the vaccines are supposed to be the savior, and then now they're not working. And it's not, well, now what are you going to do? You know, you have to keep wearing the darn mask all the time, and you just want somebody yeah. to fix this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, I, I think because obviously our parents and grandparents, you know, with the wars and everything, I mean, I think that we were brought up just to, to power through. And like my son, my son, Stephen, He's very into mental health, and that's one of the things he's brought to the school is a lot more of, of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and talk about Stephen. What's his background? How did he get involved in this? And tell me how he gets those tattoos and piercings to work into this with his new culture. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go there, don't we, Vic? We just have to. No, he. so Stephen has always, always, always been a people person. I, I remember we'd go to Hilton Head. He'd be five years old and I'd look down at the beach and he'd be talking to, you know, a group of teenagers and he's a much better conversationalist than I am. And so I always had this, I don't know, dream, if you want to call it that, that Logan would be sort of the businessman in the beauty school and Stephen would be, you know, kind of the maitre d' type person, because Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's where his strength is. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyhow, I never you know, not once did I ever push him into going to the beauty school because I, I knew that just wasn't going to probably work unless it was his idea. And so anyhow, so he goes to MTSU to be in major in music audio production um, because there's so many great white Jewish rappers out there in the world that he thought <laughs> he could be the next one to, to make so that so there'd be two out there in the world. I, and, I, I uh, think, I'm thinking of uh, maybe Yamaka and M. so uh but you know again it goes back to that college thing we were saying he didn't get to take the classes he won or he wasn't going to get to till like his junior year and so he just you know he wasn't loving it and i've got a 
girl that works with me, um, her name's Bobby Powell, and she's got a podcast called Beauty School Bobby. And so she called Stephen and said, hey, I want you to do the music for my podcast and, That's you know, awesome. the little intro theme or whatever. Yeah. And so he did it, and that kind of got his foot in the door a little bit. And so he comes down uh, for my birthday, which is in July, I guess between maybe – somewhere in his junior maybe he's just finished what should have been his junior year but we'll call it his third year and you know he comes to the school and of course everybody knows him and you know steven's been the one that's the purple hair and stuff like that (laughs) and he's there and either he said or i said i think he said to me hey dad i'm thinking i might want to you know get involved with the school and i was just so happy and Mm -hmm. so then by that mid by that mid August he he had moved back home and you know done that but you know the tattoos and everything that's just again because he thinks he's in this rap world mm-hmm. um, that's what he does and uh, you know so now it's a hobby for him but you know again he's a you know, good looking kid I mean and first he's like dad you know none of my tattoos I, I'm gonna have them all you know you won't be able to see him when my shirt's on. Now he's got one like up the side of his neck and uh, <laughs> it just, it kills me. But, you know, in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, he's a good boy and it's not, not that bad a thing. There, there could be a lot worse things he's doing. And, mm-hmm. um, but again, the students, I mean, I bet, I bet if we've got Vic, let's just say, let's just use 250. If we have 250 students right now, I would be willing to bet that, at least 200 of them have tattoos. Now it might be a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a daisy on their pinky toe. Uh, but oh, then we yeah. also have some with sleeves and, you know, you name it. Yeah. And it, it's just a new cultural thing to do. And it's just the way that, you know, society evolves and changes socially. Um, I think a lot of that too, it might've been fueled by the social um, net- networking that we have, Facebooking and, uh, all of the, the, the iPhoning and, and Instagramming things because you want to be different and stand out. And then you see a lot of people standing out and being different. Then all of a sudden, nobody's different and nobody's standing out. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's kind of ironic. But the yeah. other thing is, you know, you got to realize that hairstylists are artists anyhow. So right, they're, right. they're creative by nature and mm-hmm. it just kind of feeds in into that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but Every- he, you know, they relate to him. He relates to them. And mm-hmm. I mean, I love having them in the business. And, you know, that was one of my favorite things in the world when I was in the business is, you know, I could call my dad at the Alcoa school and say, hey, dad, you know, I enrolled two students today. And so to get to work with Stephen, especially in light of, you know, Luz and Logan, um, I mean, that that means the world to me. And and he's doing very, very, very well now. You know, I, I lucked into that part because even if he wouldn't, you know, he's, he still would have a place in the business. I don't know what the heck he'd do, but, you know, I'm certainly not firing him. And, right. um, but it's, it's been a win win. Well, I don't want to put any business ideas in your mind because this is, of course, your baby and you're rocking it just fine. But, you know, what I've learned here today about the tattoo, the culture, the 200 out of 250 students that are already doing the body artwork, would it not behoove TSB, I don't know, perhaps to have a class or two in body art? It it would completely, and I appreciate the 
the suggestion. However, that falls under the, um, I think the tattooing board falls under oh. like sciences or tat. It's a, it's a whole different board where okay. the board is a uh, board of cosmetology. So I would have to um, literally open up a, a separate, I mean, it almost had to be like Tennessee school of tattooing, but mm-hmm. I think also because uh, my director of operations just opened up a permanent cosmetic school, which is falls under tattooing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're, you're on the right track and they do sort yeah. of go, you know, hand in hand. But well, uh, I'm just, I'm just challenging granddad here. You know, he's a pioneer doing different <laughs> stuff. Bring back. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we've, uh, kind of branched out to some other things, but, mm-hmm. but honestly, that's, you know, it would. And I mean, I've even thought about a culinary school and mm. I mean, there's a lot of things, but now as I, you know, as I near 60, I'm trying to think of ways to slow down, not, not add more on my plate. Right. Let's let Steven deal with it. You know, that's <laughs> what I, I told the, the students today, I, I told you we had orientation. And so there's a part in the contract that if the school closes, what will happen. And I told him, I said, guys, March 1st will be our 92nd year in business. I said, wow. I got us to 92. I said, if, if we can't get to 93, that's Stephen's fault. I said, don't, <laughs> don't come looking for me. So. Uh, well, I hope you guys go 193 on this. It's beautiful. Thank you. Local Thank East you. Tennessee jewel gem crown of the jewel. And, you know, what a great model to show people how to do it right. And you guys have got it all down pat. Beautiful stuff. Well, thanks. And, yeah, we've been we've been very fortunate. It's kind of um, neat, too, when you, you know, you read those statistics that I don't even know what it was. But, you know, like, I don't know, only 12% of third-generation family businesses make it. And, you know, it's even less for fourth-generation and mm-hmm. obviously even less for fifth-generation. So we're... You know, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I think my grandfather would be proud to know it's, you know, not only surviving, but thriving right now. Yeah. So you just can't keep a good business down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll go with that. All right. Now, we have inadvertently completely done my outlining, which was circled back to modern day. We talked about your family. We talked about 1982 and, and, and your, your roots, your origin. Uh, so we're caught up now, current day. So as we start to wrap this interview up here, uh, Adam, and you've been a pleasure to talk to you, by the way. You have very good enunciation. Have you ever thought about going into radio? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> That's another one of your side items that you might want to explore. Yeah. Oh, did, I, did I mention Tennessee School of Radio? Yeah. Is, uh, my side business. Well, no. I mean, when you talked about that friend of yours with the podcast that Stephen did the intro yeah. for, I'm like, yes, more podcasts. That's what we need. <laughs> so maybe you can retire yeah. and do do one of those things. I don't know. There you go. I'll, but, I'll give it a lot of consideration. Okay, I'm done considering it. All right. Now, I want to do this. I want to circle back around to the uh, round-robin questions to kind of uh, get things uh, wrapped up here. So, back in the day, who was, who was one of your most influential favorite teachers, if you could think of one? Well, that's interesting. So, probably Tony Norman, uh, C- Coach Norman. Well, I call him Coach Norman. He, he was Rex Norman at the time. Sexy Rexy, the girls called him because <laughs> he was the biology teacher. But I never had him for class, but he was the high school tennis coach. Okay. And um, oddly enough, we have kept in touch. His wife was over at our house yesterday, as a matter of fact. So, you know, he was influential, I guess, just because, you know, we I'd be riding with him to tennis matches and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but you know, I, it, it came up the other day. There was something I saw on social media about your, you know, a teacher you had. And I remember Miss Beverly. She was an English oh, yeah, teacher yeah. and she was so tough. And, but that's the teacher I remember um, more than any of them. So, you know, that, that find that interesting that, you know, you, you don't remember the ones that let you get away. Although I do remember, uh, and I can't think of what her name was, um, but she was a typing teacher, mm-hmm. um, gorgeous lady. And I think I just had a big crush on her. So I, <laughs> I remember her too. She, she, those three would probably be the three that I, that came to mind. Well, interesting. You should bring up the typing classes because, you know, me and Barry Mauser did live from the first floor office. It's Vic Moore and the Vic and Barry show actually is what it was called. Yeah. Remember that we did the announcements yeah. for the day. Well, that happened yes, right at typing class for me. It was second period, 1045 ish. I had to leave early every single day and my typing oh. was atrocious. And my teacher was like, I cannot <laughs> justify this early leaving. And I'm like, please, you know, whatever. So I did not have a good typing relationship. And now, hey, I do pretty good. I do the two-finger 30 WPM, baby. Yeah, that's how I text. I'm I'm the one-finger texture. Um, Oh, okay. So that's cool. Yeah, teaching is important, especially when you talk about past uh, high school life. But let's do this. Where did you you party up at? Where did you hang out at? What were your your favorite places to to hang out or eat? You know, Vic, you're going to think this is crazy. I was was square. I didn't drink. Um, I, you know, you can put all the liquor I've had in, in a Dixie cup in my life. I just, I never liked the taste of it. I mean, I remember back when we'd have Passover services, you know, it was a big treat because the, the kids would drink wine. I drink grape juice. I just, I never had a taste for it. Um, so, you know, and I was in the sports, so I was honestly probably traveling to tennis tournaments, you know, on most of the weekends. So I, I know it's a boring not exciting answer, but you know, had a steady girlfriend was playing tennis, and um, I I can't even think of where I would, you know, hang out. That's how boring well, I was. Well, here's a tennis related question: Do you remember the Vic Tanny V I C T? Of course, remember that. Okay, my dad was a member there. Do you remember they had a huge big tournament between Billie Jean King and that other guy? Uh, there was a guy and a girl. It was a guy versus girl tournament. They were both famous. <laughs> Bobby Riggs? Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King were going to play in Knoxville at the Vic Tanny Tennis uh, Place. Did you remember oh that? Oh, gosh. No. I mean, I remember Vic Tanny, but I didn't remember that they were going to play. <laughs> yeah, because I would go there with my dad to work out sometimes. And I saw the posters everywhere, and I'm like, why did they pick Knoxville, you know? Huh. Fascinating. Yeah, well, there's, there's a Google assignment for you later on. All right. There you go. I, I will. <laughs> All right, so, so I'm sorry I don't about, have a better answer for you on the hangout. No, that's totally fine. Yeah, I, let me ask you this off the wall. Uh, I don't. There's not very many people I've interviewed of the the Jewish faith. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What was it like growing up in the '80s at, at Farragut, huge Farragut, as a Jewish person? There, you know, there weren't many of us at all. Number one, um, and I remember, I remember in middle school. Like if I was going to be off for the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I, mm-hmm. I, I would like lie about where I was going. <laughs> you know, I just, I, and you know what I remember about it, Vic, is that I guess FCA was very popular back then. Oh, yeah. And I had, oh, yeah. I had a lot of people that were trying to get me involved in that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say trying to convert me, mm-hmm. but 
you know, there was a lot of that that, that did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, my friends, you know, they, I mean, of course, they didn't matter or they didn't care that I was Jewish. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think I really suffer from any anti-Semitism or anything like that. But, you know, you just, you didn't broadcast it, but also, you know, I'm a short little guy, dark skin, big nose. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was any secret that I was Jewish. Let's put it that way. Well, okay. Yeah. When you look at the externals of it and, but you know, I, I think it's just really sad that, uh, that, that religion of any dominated amount or kind or grouping seems to just not even consider Look what you guys are doing here. You're, you're acting as if this is just the accepted thing for everyone to collectively fall under. And, yeah. you know, it yeah. can get kind of unnerving. I can uh, only imagine what it might have felt like. You have to lie, you know. Why, you know? Yeah, I remember when my my first wife, um, she was going through conversion class because, you know, that was the one thing is, you know, for the, for the kids to be raised Jewish, the mother has to be Jewish. So mm-hmm. that was kind of our agreement and i'll never forget the very first thing the rabbi said to her is we're not saying the other religions are wrong this just happens to be what we believe and she had come from a like a church of god background that was a little cult-like and so she was so relieved and, and appreciated that that was kind of the view that we took on things that's a beautiful statement. Um, so, Say that again. Say it again what the rabbi said. Just that that we're not saying the other religions are wrong. This is just what we believe. That's so beautiful. That's so succinct. And why would anybody have a problem with that philosophy? You know? Well, and it's it's like my current wife is not Jewish, and that doesn't bother me in the least. I, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. This is kind of interesting. I went to a um, back. It's probably after high school. But there was there's a radio guy named Dennis Prager out of L.A. And I think he might have even been a rabbi, and he came to Knoxville to speak. And so you know it's him talking with you know there's a hundred hundred of us in there, and he said if I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, I would send my kids to Catholic high school. And we said, what? What do you mean you'd send your kids to Catholic? He said I want my kids knowing or being around people that feel like there's a higher power. And, and I remember the story he said is if you're walking down a dark alley and you know, you see five guys, wouldn't you feel better knowing they just came back from church? And, and that was, <laughs> I mean, and, and it was, it was funny, but it was, it's a very true statement. If you think about it, that, you know, yeah, just, I don't care if you believe in, you know, this or that, but hopefully you believe in something because it's probably going to make you a little bit better person. Um, yeah. You know, and that's not to say that atheists aren't great people either, mm-hmm. but you know, whether it's, whether you're Baptist or Jewish or Catholic or whatever, just, you know, yeah. feel, believe what you want to believe. Right. And it just, it, um, I, I know this is a big debate that people have. Can, is moralism something that has to be taught through a certain principled uh, environment or school or church system? Or mm. can moralism be just naturally learned? And you know, when you think about it, all the way back in our civilization, there's never been an alternative move to say, okay, every religion cease. Let's see if we can be moral without any uh, assistance, without any dogma. Yeah. You know, we've never yeah. seen it, so maybe it could happen. Who knows? Well, anyhow, not, not to get all 
religious. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Maybe that's be a different podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so let's start wrapping this up. We talked a little bit about some of the things you like from the past. We talked about your sports, and you know, um, is there anything else you want to talk about from the '80s that you want the class to know, the listeners to know? Um, you know what stands out to me, Vic, and it's kind of silly, but so I grew up in Gulf Park, and. I remember we were zoned for Farragut and it was such a treat and your, your listeners will remember this, you know, Dairy Queen out there, at, which I guess is just before Lovell Road now, you know, that was such a schlep to go out to Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then of course we get zoned to go to Farragut, which is out in the middle of nowhere. And now, you know, Farragut's, I mean, you need to go to Turkey Creek and you don't even think twice about it. It's just, it's neat to see, I don't know that fair gets the, you know, almost in a sense, you know, center of Knoxville. I mean, it's, you know, you got Bearden area, but I don't even know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> no, it's just, you know, I, I think back in our day, Farragut was kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. And now it's, you know, it's its own little world. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a showcase community. Thriving community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really is. It's good. It's a good model community. I think, you know, we talk about moralism, and you talk about. Um, I, I love the the rule they have about the signage can't be above yep. it, two stories, or something that's like wonderful. that, or it has to be ground level. Yeah. No big billboards. You know, that, that's pretty cool. It makes your community. You can see the trees better, for goodness' sake. You, you can, <laughs> and you know, I just I think overall, I, I mean, I had a you know I had a nice high school experience. I had you know oh, good I friends, and yeah, it was great. There wasn't a lot of. You know, I'm, there's just not a lot of bad that happened, um, or at least, you know, maybe I stayed out of it somehow. All right. Well, Adam Brown, my guest today here on the Big Blue Podcast, we're going to ask one final question, Adam. I want you to think about this one for just a second, if you want to. And that is, what is your guiding um, uh, statement, your mission statement for life? What have you collectively learned in your almost 60, unquote, years? What can you (laughs) sum up in a statement, bumper sticker, T-shirt, saying, what's your culmination to this point? Give us a good statement. Well, I will, I, I don't know if it's my culmination, but the thing I always told my kids, and I believe it, you know, with all my heart, if, if you think you're going to have a good day, you're right. If you think you're going to have a bad day, you're right. And <laughs> that's just, you know, I've, I've said that for years. The kids know that's, you know, that's what I say. And, mm. um, you know, so that would probably be my sticker, but I just think, you know, I, I told my, I told my son this when he came into the business, he's like, dad, I'm not good at sales and all that. I said, Stephen, I don't want you selling these people. I just want you being nice to these people. I said, and if, <laughs> you know, if they think you're nice, they'll come to the school. Um, I said, I'm not worried about that. And, you know, so I think, I think even as computerized as the world gets and everything, it's still a people, a people. Bit. I mean, you've always had a great personality and, you know, you in turn have been successful in life. And I think, you know, other people that have the personalities and treat people right will be successful in life. So that's uh, I like that. That's my wisdom. That's really good. That's a great way to sum it up. And thanks again, Adam, for being on the podcast today. You share some really, really cool stuff. And again, the listeners are going to be posting in the show notes how to contact TSPN and the numbers and text numbers and all that. Thanks again, Adam. It's been wonderful reminiscing and going down and finding out your story. Awesome. 
Thanks, Vic. I, I appreciate it. You're very easy to talk to. Well, th- you may, you may, you are an easy interviewee too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the for sharing the love on the TSP, and hopefully we'll we'll save somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I know we will. Thank you again for being my guest. Today. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye, Vic. Thanks for joining us today to the Big Blue Podcast for Farragut High School. If you're interested in becoming an interviewee, please send correspondence to the following email address, also listed in the show notes. Send all correspondence to FHSBigBlue1982 at gmail.com. Again, that's FHSBigBlue1982 at gmail.com. The Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network has been pretty busy since July 2020. Since then, we have moved to a new office with the Tennessee Association for Alcohol, Drug, and Other Addiction Services, welcomed a new Data and Communications Director, as well as a Permanent Executive Director, hosted statewide and regional Suicide Prevention Awareness Month events, and procured proclamations from all 95 county mayors, declaring September as Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. We held 375 trainings and suicide prevention presentations for more than 16,000 people, and we held 151 exhibits and events reaching more than 42,000 people. Our regional directors were also trained in QPR triage, as well as youth mental health first aid. And we secured a grant with the Tennessee Department of Health for $150,000 over five years. We have worked with our advisory council on new bylaws, and we have updated our interstate departmental group roster. Our first responder task force met regularly and the group held its first webinar, No One Fights Alone, First Responders Addressing First Responder Suicide for more than 150 participants statewide. Our staff participated in organizational meetings all over Tennessee with local, regional, and statewide agencies and councils. And TSPN was featured in 113 news pieces since July 2020 that have garnered an estimated 25 million views. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter profiles are all growing, and our newsletter was open more than 17,000 times. We started tracking our website views in mid-October, and since then our site has been viewed over 12,000 times. Since July, we have completed 94 material distributions that will reach an estimated 50,000 Tennesseans, and millions of people have been exposed to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline through TSPN Resources. New at four, it is something Adam Brown of Tennessee School of Beauty never thought would happen to his family. In 2014, his son Logan took his own life. Well, Brown is trying to help prevent that tragedy in other families, and I talked to him today about two events you can take part in that benefit the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network. One is a virtual run or walk you can do in your own neighborhood. You walk 48.3 miles between now and January 31st, and that represents the 48,300 some odd people that actually um, died by suicide um, in 2018. Another event is a free haircut at Tennessee School of Beauty from now through November 20th and again in January. So just come into the school. There's no there's no catches to it. I mean, all the work will be performed by you know, senior stylists. And um, so if you want to come in for a haircut, it's free of charge. And we do ask that you make a donation to the to Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network. And then we're also uh, donating 10% of all the proceeds 
from all the color services we do in November, and then we're going to do this again in January. Obviously, it's near and dear to my heart. My son Logan took his life when he was 19 years old, and you know nobody would have thought of Lori because I mean, good-looking kid, smart, you know, was not hurting financially, and you just don't know what these people are going through, and so. I mean, it was kind of one of these things that, you know, if it can happen to my family, it can happen to anybody's family. So let's do what we can to help. Uh, to register for the virtual run or walk, go to StandUpForSuicidePrevention.com and check out TennesseeSchoolOfBeauty.edu for info on the haircuts and also color as well uh, to benefit the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network.